The last word on sport on Today FM. With Carlsberg, official beer partner of the FAI. Probably the best partnership in the world. Get the facts, be drink aware, visit drinkaware.ie. Hello, the greatest footballer of the 20th century. Nearly everyone agrees that, although there are the Maradona fans who would say otherwise. He died in recent days. His funeral is taking place in Brazil today. He was previously a guest here on The Last Word back in November 2009. Uh, we were delighted to be able to dig out the audio from this. Uh, our sound engineer, Gavin Blake, remembered when the two of us went down to the Burlington Hotel to meet with Pele. And uh, Pele, very gracious, very welcoming man. English, not his first language. And I suspect he probably struggled to understand what I was saying to him. So just to put bear that in mind when we hear this brief extract from the interview that we broadcast in November 2009, which also happened in the days after uh, Thierry Henry's infamous handball for France against Ireland in the World Cup qualifier, which I brought up with him because of the fact that he was a fair play ambassador for FIFA, Pelé was, and uh, also issues in relation to VAR, although it wasn't called that at the time. So, here's just a brief extract before we talk to Mark Lawrence and Tony Cascarino, starting with a question about whether he ever considered how his career might have turned out if he'd been born 40 years later. Well, I have a, a lot of proposed. <laughs> I play almost uh, 18, 20 years in Santos, my team, I never want to change. Then I play two years in New York Cosmos in, in the United States, but when I retired, after my retirement. But uh, before, I had a proposal from, uh, to, to come to play for Real Madrid. I have a proposal to play in, in uh, Juventus in Italia. No, I have a proposal to play in America, Mexico. Uh, I have a lot of uh, proposals. And then a lot of uh, players from Brazil that time, no, Didi, Vava, Garincha, they play in Europe. They come to play in Europe. But I was okay. Santos was a good team. Santos and that time, Santos and the Real Madrid were the two best team in the world. And then I was okay in Santos. Then I don't want to 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 change. You know, want to leave Santos. You are a FIFA Fair Play ambassador, and as you may be aware, there was a lot of anger here in Ireland last week because of the World Cup qualifying match between France and Ireland and Thierry Henry handled the ball to provide the cross for the winning goal for France. What did you think of what Thierry Henry did in handling the ball to create the opportunity for the goal? Yeah, I saw the game. I was, I was in, in, in Tokyo. <laughs> I saw the, the, the video. Uh, in this play, I think if you have one half behind the goal, no doubt that he was more you know, uh, prepared to see more easy to him to see you know, the, the hand. But uh, for the referee, I think it was uh, too many people in the area, it was a, a foul, a cross ball. I think the referee, uh, he really didn't see. But Pele, what about maybe a video referee that we could use <clears throat> television technology for somebody as happens in other sports? Would that be a good idea? <laughs> that in a, in, a, in a committee of FIFA, we discuss a lot of that too. You know, we discuss about the new technology in the game. But uh, football, 
our football soccer is a little different because with the new technology, I think for the uh, for the dirty player, no, I think this movement you can use, but uh, uh, the movement like like to 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 stop the game to see if the ball was in or out in the goal, if it was foul or not. This is too difficult because uh, after you stop the game, if you go on a counter-attack, then they say, oh, was fair. Then you stop the game already. And then the team who go on a counter-attack supposed to score a goal there, you have to, to, to repair that. Pele, some of the interview that I conducted with him in November 2009. Mark Lawrenson, what were your memories of him as a player? Um, well, I remember my, my dad went to see uh, Brazil play at Goodison in the 66 World Cup and came home really disappointed. My dad was a pro footballer. Came home really disappointed because uh, he'd basically been kicked kicked off the pitch. Um, they'd got no protection whatsoever. But all, all the old stuff you see of him, um, you know, try and score from the halfway line. Matt, uh, the one where he, he, he ran round and tried to obviously then round the other side of the keeper and tried to score it. So it. It was just brilliant. I mean, to think that, what was he, 17 in his first World Cup? And apparently someone said to me that's the first time he'd ever even flown. So, you know, 17 years of age, the next thing is you're spearheading uh, Brazil's challenge to win, to win the World Cup. I met him twice, two nights running in, uh, in Germany. He's a good friend of Leonardo. Leonardo was working with us for the BBC and stuff, and uh, we'd, we'd done a, a match and we got back in the hotel. And he's just a really, really nice bloke. But he, he was, for me, and always will be, and I don't care who comes next, the best player ever. I asked him the question about had he been born 40 years later for a number of reasons, because he might have moved to Europe, almost certainly would have, and played mm. in the spotlight more regularly in this part of the world. He might have got more protection from referees, although you could say Maradona didn't get protection from referees no. either. Uh, but his athleticism and his ability would have been extraordinary in the modern era, wouldn't it, Mark? Yeah, well, think about it, Matt. Everybody forgets he was only five foot eight. You know, you, you, you look at the headed goals he scored in, a, in, in what I consider would be the best team ever, which was the Brazilian team. Was, was it 1970? It was, wasn't it? Yeah. 1970. I mean, look, look, how, look how high, how high he jumps. I mean, the, the one for the Gordon Banks save as well, which was, you know, obviously a brilliant save by Gordon Banks. But the other thing that struck me about him is, is when you watch, see the size of his calves, Matt? They were absolutely massive. And I think that's the only way, actually, that he, he didn't have to retire from football. I, I know as well when he went to America, because uh, I, I went out there with Rodney Marsh for a while after they'd all, all been and gone. And Rodney Marsh was saying that he was on $800,000 a year to play for the New York Cosmos. And that was a few quid in those days, I think. Tony Cascarino, what would you recall of, of Pele? Um, probably heading, uh, Matt, because... Obviously, that was my strongest attribute as a player, and I thought I was up there with some of the best headers of the ball around, and he was better than me in the air. So everything else, I was in <laughs> second best. And, you know, it was like, oh, this guy, he was an amazing athlete. I mean, Michael Jordan in basketball, Matt, if you've ever watched him play, he was an amazing athlete. He was a lot bigger than Pele, as Mark touched on. But he was the original one, the, the guy that had a bit of everything about his play. He was strong, technical. We all know about what we've seen with goals he's scored. I was in my grandparents in the Elephant and Castle, and obviously my dad's side of the family were uh, Italian, Matt. And um, 
I can remember my granddad literally nearly blowing the TV up after they were losing 4-1 in that final. And um, he just he just had so many... He'd done so many things that even today's players, Matt, can do. And look, there's always a debate how good was he. He was certainly hit the best in his generation. You could probably argue probably a lot more others as well. Um, so... And, and on that, Matt, I don't know if you've ever seen his documentary. I found it really interesting because I thought I was going to be... He always sat on the fence as a political sort of pawn used in, in Brazil. And when they come under the dictatorship of 68 Brazil, Pelé came back because he was really forced. He was, you know, they wanted him. The dictator wanted him to play Brazil again because he'd retired after 66 experience The Mark mm. just touched on. And he came back to play. Uh, but that was more political pressure for him. And he tried to avoid that political stuff. And he admitted later on in his life that he wished he would have just been a bit more forward in his feelings about some of the things that were going on. But it was always a dangerous arena for him, Matt. Matt? Yes, Mark. Would, would you, and this, this uh, about me a bit. I, I just think himself and Muhammad Ali, for me, the best two athletes ever. And also not just the facts of the athletes, but what, what they also did away from either the boxing ring or obviously the football ground. The two of them were unbelievable. For me, they just out, they're out, they stick out above anybody else. Okay, one listener says George Best still the best for me, but as well as Pele won three World Cups and that's why people go for Pele as the best. Okay, lots of people, before we get to Arsenal and Newcastle who are playing tonight, uh, Mark, there are lots of people texting in about <laughs> Liverpool. Uh, one yeah. said they need new owners, otherwise they're going to be heading to being a mid-table club like Everton or Aston Villa. Another one says, don't forget to discuss the end of the Van Dyke era at Liverpool. Mark, what's um, going wrong? Well, yes, yesterday they were they were Wimbledon out of it, weren't they? But but they knew it was coming. It's it's the way that Brentford Brentford play. And um, if you look, just to, it was like it was like Matt Liverpool weren't expecting it, and we all know that's what Brentford do, and they do it very very successfully, and they, they put you under under tremendous pressure from set pieces. They, they were poor, Matt. The, the, the lot of them, the, the whole of lot of them, they could have taken anybody yeah, yeah. off. But Mark, this is a crisis well, for Liverpool, isn't it? Because yeah. they're, they're now seriously outsiders to actually win a Champions League slot for yes. next season. If they don't get into the Champions League, how are they going to be able to persuade the likes of Jude Bellingham or players of that level to sign for the club? Um, that I don't know, Matt, because it, it, you, you couldn't give him enough money because obviously you'd be, you'd be beaten easily by the, the likes of PSG and Man City and all those. So, that, so that's a problem. Listen, the, the problem's been coming for a while. And the, and the problem is that in, in midfield, basically, if you look at them, um, they've got nothing, Matt. Thiago, good passer, absolutely. But Henderson, Henderson doesn't play as many games. He's not influential. Um, Fabinho yesterday was was a million miles away from it, and you know the younger players they've got the two young, uh, the the two young boys they got from Fulham. They're just they're not they're not ready to play every game. Oxford late Oxford Chamberlain's now playing, and and they, they would have sold him uh, last year, Matt. So the problem is that they've got a great void in the middle of the pitch, and it's costing them daily and it's affecting every other area of the pitch as well but then Tony what about Van Dyke doesn't look peerless at centre half anymore does he no Matt um, it's become a bit of a common theme this season Matt we've had these conversations the performances you started with Fulham in the first game of the season there was Napoli experience but it's a season Matt it's no different you know Mark touched on about they knew what was coming 
Well, they only had to look back at the game of last year. It was exactly that. And, Matt, to think you've been beaten up like that, and they didn't even have their talisman, their main goal scorer, Ivan Tony playing, that's even a bigger indictment, Matt, on them as a team. I'm like, my, I, I think Thiago's a fabulous footballer when he's on the ball. But him, Harvey Elliott, young lad, he's a number one who's good on the ball. I don't think they can make a challenge, Matt. I think the days of an Aldrin when they were, an Aldrin Anderson and Fabinho when he was at his best, them three were way harder to play. They shielded that, that ball better. And unfortunately, Matt, Van Dyke has really gone backwards. He reminds me of the player that once he was leaving Southampton, or all the clubs were trying to sign him, Matt, he completely switched off. He was in a comfort zone at Southampton and didn't play well. And I thought that was a concern for Liverpool when they took him because he wasn't playing particularly well when he left. But a lot of clubs wanted him. All the clubs in the Premier League were trying to get. Chelsea were there, Liverpool were there, and others, Matt, trying to get him. And Liverpool got him. And now, I, and I don't know, I don't know what Mark would think of this, because he played alongside Alan Anson, who cruised. He was an absolute role for us of a defender. And to make the game look quite easy. Van Dijk at his best is like that. But I would say that Van Dijk looks like now. He's switched off a bit. He's in a little bit of a comfort zone. If he thinks the game's a little bit easier, you know, and it's not, Matt. The game catches up with you. He never caught up with Alan Anson because he managed to keep that continual role for his performance in his game, Matt. What do you say to that, Mark? I, I think he got, he meant Lawrence and not Hansen. <laughs> um, listen, I, tell you, I, mean, I, mean, I agree with everything he says about Van Dijk. The other thing as well is, is that you see, Canate, yes, so Van Dijk come back from the um, the World Cup. Canate's come back from the World Cup. And Loris, did you, did you see the three performances of them? I don't even see them, but it's like, it's like their, their heads are still in Qatar. It really it really was amazing. that They all look as though, like, well, what what are we doing here? We should still be in the World Cup. And they, and they played that way. Um, apparently, I mean... Last, I did the game at Liverpool TV last night and, and Klopp said afterwards that he's got a slight niggle on the hamstring, Van Dyke, but I don't, I don't particularly believe that whatsoever. And, and, Klopp, and Klopp was absolutely raving. Um, so it's, it's a massive problem for them. Um, okay, so well, look, we, we're running low on time and we will talk yeah. maybe more about Tottenham and Chelsea on Friday evening because they have had difficult times in recent days as well. But tonight's match, Tony, Arsenal, three big games coming up for Arsenal starting with Newcastle tonight. If Arsenal were to win those three games, they would be in brilliant position to press on and win the league. But can yeah. they win the three games, starting with Newcastle tonight, Tony? Well, Matt, if we're judging Arsenal last season, the biggest criticism is they fell away at the end when they had a number of injuries at the end of last season. And don't judge the Arsenal team of now to, to be compared with the team at the end of last season, Matt. The way they took away Brighton, especially in the first half hour of the game, brilliant football. And so many players are playing well, Matt. It's hard to pick a player, I think, in the last sort of, you know, this season. Who hasn't played well for Arsenal? It's really tricky, Matt, because all of them have excelled. They could easily win. I think they'll win tonight. Um, and also, Matt, if you look at Man City's next seven fixtures, which takes them to mid-Feb, they've got Chelsea away, Man United away, Arsenal away, and Tottenham away. So they are going to drop more points. This Arsenal team, Matt, if you go to the Emirates, it's not like, and we've touched on this before, it's not like before. The atmosphere will be extraordinary tonight, and they're loving it, the players. So that momentum, Matt, and that, their performances have been, um, don't be surprised if they go and get, you know, 
seven points on the next three games, man. Those three games for Newcastle tonight, then Tottenham away on Sunday, uh, week and Manchester United the following weekend at home. But uh, Odegaard is flying for Arsenal. But what about Newcastle, Mark? They've had the disappointment of failing to score against Leeds in the nil-all draw at the weekend after a run of matches. But they don't concede many goals. I mean, could no. Newcastle frustrate Arsenal tonight? Oh, yeah, they could frustrate them because they're very, very strong defensively. He's, he's made some excellent buys in, in, in that area. In fact, I think he's got a whole new, whole new back four and new goalkeeper, etc. Howard, he's, he's doing a very, very, very good job. You know the thing about Arsenal, Matt? Since Arteta stood up to Obama Yang and kicked him out of the football club, they've been a completely different football club. Um, they'll they'll strike, they'll get stronger as well in this winter. They're definitely probably going to sign the boy from the Ukraine, the forward, aren't they? And you know what? They've actually now become the team to beat. Arsenal's a little bit kind of, uh, you know, they'll they'll kind of fall away. It'll be the same old Arsenal. The, the strong map, they're strong both physically and mentally, and they've got loads of ability. So. They are definitely one to be. Thank you very much, Mark Lawrence and Tony Cascarino. I'll talk to you again later in the week. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today.